0: Hey movie fans, Dimitri here for Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie Where today we talk about life The sci-fi horror movie, not the serial Welcome to Popcorn Talk Featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews Popcorn Talk, we talk movies And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie Hello, everybody, and again, this is Dimitri from Popcorn Talks Anatomy of a Movie, where today we're going to talk about life. And uh, speaking of life, we spent a lot of lifetime together. With my great co host, Marissa Serafini. Yes. How are you?
1: Hello, Dimitri. I'm back, Marissa Serafini. Follow me on Twitter at SerafiniTV. I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just shiny. shiny. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I mean, it's been a it's been a while since it's just been the two of us. Just us two. Nice. We're very nice and intimate. And we're, talking about, uh, we're talking about a movie that, that falls within your favorite genre of movies, uh, <laughs> horror. I mean, it's <laughs> well, a blended. It
1: depends type of genre. on like what version of horror it is. Like the slash of horror. <laughs> like one by one I'm going to kill you for the fun of a sadistic way? Yeah, no, I'm mm. not like, I don't like that. And the ones with the cheap jump scares sure. and all that like um, you know, Annabelle, Conjuring all those crazy scary movies that are purposely there to, to scare you no, I don't like that. Um, but thrillers psychological thrillers I do like Sure. Um, you know, some of my favorite shows are actually the horror shows yeah, well, but, well,
0: you and I didn't really get to sometimes we talk uh, before we Come into the studios. Oh, no. hey, okay. it's all good. It's all good. That's our producer there taking care of the ones Technical and twos. Issues, and, but whatever. Right, eh, we'll roll. You know, we're, 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 we're just moving forward. It's all this good. This is life. This is life. This, is, this life. is life on the set of Anatomy of a Movie. Um, so I was saying, like, you and I didn't, like, sometimes we talk before, mm-hmm. um, you know, just to get general thoughts and whatever. And I know going, when I was going into seeing uh, the movie, I was actually thinking about, geez, I wonder how, you know, Marissa's going to, uh, you know, handle this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so go ahead. I'm, so so. what were your thoughts? I'm curious.
1: Um, you know, I actually enjoyed it. I mean, I, I think a lot of people are going to probably uh, automatically make the comparisons to Alien or The Thing or any any extraterrestrial that's out in space that you can't really pinpoint or understand or conceptualize, yeah, you're going to make those comparisons. But I enjoyed it because I think the just the fun aspect of it and the fact that they kept it a small crew made it a little bit more intimate, especially the claustrophobia. I thought the cinematography was fantastic in the show, um, in, in, in the movie. And we'll definitely talk about it, but I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I kind of got that feeling immediately from Alien, especially the opening shot when you hear the voiceover and all. I was like, "Oh, it's going to be another Alien." But uh, I I liked the pacing of it and the fact that it was a kind of a shorter horror movie. Mm-hmm. Not once did I lose my attention to this. You know, it, sure. it kept me engaged throughout the whole thing. I thought it was just visually beautifully done mm-hmm. and how they executed it.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, and, and you're right. There are So many movies you can compare this to. I mean, first and foremost, it it makes no bones about being an alien gravity thing, like, knockoff. Um, This is a B movie. Uh, You You think it's it's, B? Yeah, I I think it's a B movie because... It definitely isn't as good as, it's not as good as Alien or Gravity or The Thing, but of all, and there have been plenty of Alien knockoffs since that movie has come out, this one's one of the more enjoyable ones. You know, I think Daniel Espinosa does a good job in the directing and the pacing. Um, And you're right, the movie does what it has to do. you know, one of the things that I, I felt it stayed clear from is it never became schlocky. Like, some some of those B-movie knockoffs could be...
1: Schlocky in what way?
0: Well, it was never schlocky. Like, it, it wasn't like...
1: What do you define wasn't, schlocky?
0: Hey, well, cheesy effects, oh, cheesy okay. dialogue. Um, Over the tab. You know, silliness, you know, just, just like what you would expect from a B, C, or D movie. Okay. Um It stayed away from that. Uh, And all the while, though, you know, there was still, it still has its issues, um, maybe from a story standpoint, but I enjoy the ending. Uh, I liked, uh, I agree with you that that, that keeping it small, uh, in a sense, you did each character you got to sort of know. So it raised the stakes because eventually, you know, in one way, shape or form, people are going to die. And in order for, you know, you sort of kind of have to care for the characters like there's got to be something that 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 you sort of kind of like care about in order for you to, to to take it through the the sci-fi horror adventure it's horror light i mean it had just enough suspense but it wasn't it was an alien, gut wrenching, edge of your seat. Like, oh my god, where's this thing gonna? Like, it was it was well done. I thought, like, you know, I was thinking about it, thinking about you going. <laughs> she could handle this.
1: Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> and that's what I was like telling other people. I was like, I wasn't scared of about this film at the end. No, like it didn't get me nightmares. It didn't really get a lot of those. Cheap jump scares that you know most horror movies give you. Um, I I thought this was tolerable, and I would probably watch this movie again compared mm-hmm. to other horror movies that I would only watch once. Yeah, if I uh, ever got to them. Yeah,
0: and there were parts like the end, which we'll talk about. Had, yeah. You know, it was a nice twist. It was a nice Twilight Zone. I saw that kind coming. of. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you you, you you sort of see it coming, but. Still, I I I like the attempt at doing Mm -hmm. something uh, a little bit different, and uh, it was good. It was like a it was a tragic ending in a sense. Oh
1: yeah, what I liked about this film, and we'll definitely get into it when we talk about the cast and whatnot. But the fact that they didn't, there wasn't that one over the top character that you're like, oh, what are they doing here? You know, that's annoying or like is purposely the antagonist that. Um, spoil everything and just like ruin the moment and you like and then that becomes a bigger issue than the actual sure. problem at hand and I'm glad we didn't get one of those characters that you're like just get them out of here you know
0: yeah I, you know I agree I, I, I agree with you and like even when you look at an alien uh, they're you know, Again, when you're talking about the Nostromo crew, who are blue-collar workers, like these are right here in life. They're they're actual astronauts. Um, I know that very they very hard try to make it science reality as opposed to like science fiction. Um, And and you know it even had its quote-unquote psycho moment in the movie by killing off a main character within the first 15 minutes of the Mm -hmm. movie. So again, there are you've seen life. In many other iterations before, done better, but it's still enjoyable um, because it's you know it's 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 a it's a, it's a good knockoff that that uh, you know like some knockoff genes I guess that aren't going to explode in, uh, after their first wash
1: a- <laughs> or yeah, watch we could call it Alien Light
0: <laughs> Alien Light Horror Light so um, why don't we get into some of the well, what 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 brought life to life?
1: The development. The
0: development, yeah. um, uh, and, and in part, a lot of it was Daniel Espinoza, and he was approached um, uh, to do this. Um, and he had worked with Ryan Reynolds before in Safe House, which mm-hmm. not a bad movie, by the way. Is, uh, sa- sa- Safe House is pretty pretty decent. Um, and you know, he talks about he's a big fan of science fiction, and what really grabbed him was because of it being in the world of science fiction because it's of the unknown. There's fear and fascination. And there is fascination in science. Uh, and there could be fear, in which this movie sort of kind of proves. And, um, you know, I like that he was a fan of that. And, and you know, this movie does have fascination. It builds fascination. And through that fascination, they build on the fear Aspect of this movie, which yeah, that was pretty good.
1: Um, Espinosa said uh, David Ellison, who actually is the head of Skydance, um, he right. had this vision for a movie where they would bring th- back samples of life from Mars to the International Space Station for a study, and it grows where it's exposed to the atmosphere and it starts to attack the crew. So that that's you know the genesis of it all, and um, so Ellison pitches that at at the general launch because they did GI Joe Retaliation together. Over at Paramount, he he pitched the idea, and a few months later, pretty much they uh, they they wrote the screenplay for it.
0: I think it's from there. I think it's also good to know that uh, Ellison David Ellison, uh, his sister is Megan Ellison, who 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 heads Annapurna. So Ah. it's it's really it's it's really great, like because you have these two, they're very wealthy wealthy kids, uh, but who had passion for movies. And one more of the independent route, that's Megan. And one more of the commercial route, obviously Dave. And they've each had their very modicum of success in setting up their production companies. And I think Megan Ellison, well, not think, Megan Ellison just set up, not only does she have a production company, Annapurna, but now Annapurna is a distribution company, much like a studio. So I really applaud these siblings for working. doing this. <laughs> for Well, for working. What, Megan Ellison is for their passion. Megan Ellison is a strong, powerful woman in Hollywood. David Ellison's doing his job in making good commercial fare. But together, making different types of movies and offering that variety to audiences, uh, I think is fantastic. I, I just love it. And so, uh, you know, and then wanting would make a, a sci-fi horror movie. That's what Mr. Ellison does. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I really like that. And then bringing everything all together they're not the only people, like, the director Daniel Espinosa is not the only person who's worked with Ryan Reynolds before either. Um, you know, Reese and Wernick, the, uh, the, the writers of Deadpool, who worked with Ryan yeah. Reynolds, uh, they came up with the script, so... That's another thing about this movie that I sort of like. There are all these various puzzle pieces, and you sort of kind of wonder. So Daniel's like, "Hey Ryan, I have a script," <laughs> or "or Hey Ryan," or, or "or Ryan has a script from these guys that just did Deadpool." What do you think? Well, yeah, you know, I might have a director in mind. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I found that that whole thing. Very, very fascinating. And then Ryan Reynolds, of course, becomes involved with the project.
1: Yeah, and I think that was great because, you know, I learned after the fact that they also did Deadpool. And I'm saying, like, and if you go into the film knowing that, that would have been great. But, like, afterwards, like I did. Um, They're two completely different films. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds is probably the similarity between the two. But the the tonality and the writing aspect are completely different. Deadpool being its own crazy um, ad-lib whatever Marvel (laughs) movie that (laughs) you want. um, Over-the-top and you know, swearing and all that. And compared to this, which is like an actual sci-fi thriller, right? Uh, um, two completely different genres, and I think they tackled both of them very well.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think uh, I think so too. And what's the other fascinating thing that I found out through research? Speaking of Ryan Reynolds, who played Rory Adams, who's the like the we'll call him the mission specialist. He's the he's the spacewalk guy. He's the he's the guy he's that the uh,
1: comedian. Yeah, and comic relief really. well
0: and then you had uh, David Jordan played by Jake Gyllenhaal who's the doctor you know he's mm-hmm. the he's the medic uh, interestingly enough originally planned their roles are going to be switched, switched so yeah. you know it was going to be two different uh, yeah it, it would have been we would have lost Jake Gyllenhaal a lot earlier in the mm. film other than than Ryan Reynolds. But, you know,
1: I'm, like, I'm glad about this switch because mm-hmm. I just think in... Not to say that Ryan Reynolds can't get into that emotional depth to be a serious, but I think most people know him more from the comedic side, the lighter type of... You know, um, acting. Sure. Whereas it made sense for his character to be the the one who had all the the snide remarks. And yeah, stuff. and I can do, definitely see Jake being the more dramatic one, which is you know what David was. So it makes sense that these actors were portrayed in this way.
0: Yeah, so I agree. Flip them. Too. Yeah, I mean Rory Adams is the the quote unquote cowboy um, yeah. of the movie, which which seems to 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 suit Ryan Reynolds. Um and and I I agree I mean although you know Ryan Reynolds has had his serious roles he was fantastic in this movie called Buried I believe it was Oh yeah I mean he he could pull it off Yeah Mm -hmm. he could pull it off Um but you're right I I think that eventually the swap for this movie's needs I think it really worked Um and it's
1: not out of the real house uh,
0: Yeah and and also let's say it stayed the same it. You still have the quote unquote shock value of, of you know, your, one of your leads. Oh, well known. Like, those are like the two real A listers in this movie, right? Mm-hmm. And when one oh, of Rebecca them dies within the first. time getting up there. She's getting up there, but these two have had proven box office success. They've, they've been working for, mm. for years. And to lose one of these people, because they're usually quote unquote safe. Right. Like, you don't hire one of these people to be a hero in the movie and then kill him off within the first 15 minutes. So, either way, there would have been that, oh, okay, well, that's fascinating. Where are we going from here? So, I, you know, it was it was a decent twist, again, done well, before, it's, but it
1: yeah, was good. I feel like we're getting into Ryan Reynolds and the, the casting and yeah. the imminent death of his character. <laughs> sure. Um, were you surprised by this? I, w- I was thoroughly shocked. I figured he would, would eventually die, but I didn't realize how soon he was going to die.
0: Uh, you know, I wasn't surprised by it because uh, for some reason, or another, the schmucks in Sony marketing released oh, either no. a television spot or something that was online that showed him getting consumed by like the alien coming into his mouth.
1: Yeah. And I was
0: like, okay, well, I know he's going to die. And at that point, it, it wasn't even a question of like it didn't matter when in the movie. I just knew already he was gonna die, and I was like, "What? Why so I got you? ruined for you? Yeah, it did. It, it really did. Like you, yeah. I don't know what. I don't know who made that decision to show. Yeah, you know, Bad you marketing. have a small crew, but you figure you keep, you know, one of your popular actors that people know." sort of kind of keep that a secret. Well, you
1: you can't Gyllenhaal. Right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I I think it was also, like, it was kind of twofold, really, with Ryan Reynolds. First of all, like, he's he's a bigger name in this film. You weren't expecting him to die. But also, the way he died was way... Uh, like it was over the top, like, oh my God, that happened. Um, the fact that it crawls into his mouth and actually consumes him from inside out, and just slowly, but surely the blood just starts spitting out. Oh my goodness, like visually it was fantastic, it,
0: and it went, horrifying it, it was, it was I
1: absolutely agree. horrific, which made made his death like really cool, but really terrible at yeah. the same time,
0: yeah, I, I mean, I agree, and they and they held on to it, oh, yeah, <laughs> like that they, was a they slow they held on to it. it wasn't it wasn't like bullet to the head he's done. No. Oh. Yeah.
1: You, you saw his <laughs> eyes like slowly bleed and like it was a slow burn. We, we watched him for probably a good minute, minute and a half of just like
0: struggling. We had immobile. two. Yeah, we had two interesting death scenes. There was that one, yeah. <clears throat> you know, which basically sets up how this creature is going to dispatch you. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you're right it it for everybody and plus it wasn't just for the audience to see it was for that crew. the crew of the ice you know this is what I you're doing with say. now and uh and then there was the drowning in space oh, scene goodness. too which was really sort of kind of uh freaky as well because a something that i hadn't seen before and this is the commander the the russian commander mm-hmm. who uh, I, I like that 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 actress, um, but again, now what, what, upon doing research, I found out is that is actually sort of kind of based on something that happened. almost happened in real life, right. where 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 fluid was filling up into an astronaut to, to a true astronaut's helmet, and I was like, wow, that's that's pretty freaky and scary because you you know it's not like you could just lift open the right. yeah, in space. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, so so and that scene too was another prolonged one because it was almost like a ticking, a ticking time bomb. Because you so you, first you're going what what the hell's in her helmet? Right, and then it just started like filling glim- up, and she's trying to get to an airlock, you know. And then mm-hmm. there was the whole Jake Gyllenhaal really played that scene really well. If we wanna let's break it down a little bit. So he's inside the ship, captain's on the outside. Obviously, there's some semblance of a. Of a respect and a mutual relationship and affection for. It.
1: Right.
0: He's the doctor.
1: The person that, the, well the problem is like it's a two person lock. Yes. It's like is that usually the case? I don't know how, how the you know, ISS is built, but the fact that like that particular door that she was going to was a two person lock that the person on the inside and the person on the outside literally had to turn the handle at simultaneously just to open the door. Which sort of kind Which of was makes kind of sense. frustrating to watch. It's like
0: from a is
1: it always like that? But from
0: a safety standpoint, that would that. make sense. You wouldn't want somebody to lean on the thing and,
1: and it boom, pops and open. then yeah,
0: and then you, everybody's in vapor lock <laughs> yeah, and they right. get blasted out into space. But but that scene um, played, you know, it was it was a, it was an emotional scene, and this is what makes it better than like the schlocky you know, alien-type rip-offs. Like, that was an emotional scene, and we're seeing something we really hadn't seen on film before. Well, it's more and, so,
1: like, two people working together to try to save her life.
0: Yeah, and it, and it comes to a point where he's turning, and she's going, counter that, counter that. And he's like, no, you're going the wrong way, thinking mm-hmm. that she can't see or whatever. But, I, I mean, I she's like, no, she's not...
1: She's not letting this she's, creature back in. Yeah, she was It was also really to frustrating out. too because um drowning, I was like, a girl could hold a breath for a long time. But because visually just on screen, just in real time, took probably about two, three minutes just yeah. to watch. I was like, No, she would have been dead by now. But for dramatic purposes, how long that they let this play out it, it was just horrifying every single second that she's just drowning in her own cool.
0: Yeah. Way oh which is which is poison so it's yeah. not like you're in salt water i mean it's 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 no. radiator fluid and it's
1: freezing <laughs> literally freezing your face off yeah. so you're drowning yeah. and freezing
0: yeah it's um yeah that that, that was a, it was an interesting scene and something that hadn't been done before but it also had emotional heft to it as well mm-hmm. so uh i really enjoyed how that well, you know, it was just interesting to see how it all played out. And it built, again, there was some tension in that, you know. So uh, it was a very fascinating scene.
1: Right. And it was also scary because we now know that Kelvin, aptly named Kelvin, the, the alien, can now survive Calvin on the outside Holmes. in space. So yeah. really, it's pretty much indestructible at this time. I mean, you can't kill it.
0: Well, that was, I guess, one of my, like, that was one of my things. Because he can survive, but not for they were ascertaining that he could survive out in space but not for a prolonged period of time
1: yeah it still it, needed it oxygen.
0: It's still they they ascertained that he still needed oxygen but they couldn't figure out how much oxygen was needed to sustain his you know his life so it was almost they almost made him too indestructible for mm-hmm. me like at least in like say alien they they that crew figured out This creature can will respond to fire, you know. You know the flame. This creature, this life creature, um, which the whole design and the concept behind it too is pretty cool. Pretty neat. But yeah, you're right. He was very resilient to almost everything. It seemed, whether it be the deep freeze of space. Uh, oxygen deprivation, it can hold its breath for a long time. See,
1: and that was the one thing uh, because like, usually every alien has that, that one weakness and we didn't really get that in this movie and I was watching the whole film thinking that okay, the, eventually there'll be a moment where they realize this is how we take the alien down and there wasn't that moment.
0: No, there wasn't which so makes it So didn't it give
1: me tough. hope that yeah. this alien would die.
0: Yeah, and it's going to make it harder you know, reaching Earth, so to speak. So, just going back, so it was an Italian astronaut that nearly drowned in his suit. Um, and you know, I mean, drowning, drowning is bad enough as it is. But, but if you're drowning in a spacesuit out in space, yeah, you're really screwed.
1: Now like, you're really dead. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, um, and that's a that's another thing to uh, a, that the writers and director were talking about making a movie in space. It's like we here on Earth. You know, as wanting to explore. You know, why do you cl- climb Mount Everest? You know, these are not hospitable places, and yet we want to go into space. Not very, not hospitable. Everything in space. I think there was a line. I'm trying to think if it was in gravity. There, there was Change a line. <laughs> yeah, everything. Everything's trying to kill you out here, um, just by virtue of that you know it's a vacuum. Yeah, and I think that they sort of kind of tackle that. Pretty well, and having to what we have to work with and around to get. Um, so that was pretty, I thought that was pretty well stated in this movie. It's dangerous,
1: yeah. And you know, we've we've had space films now, like uh, dozens upon dozens of space films, especially within the last few years. I feel like space is becoming, you know, the popular thing to go for movies now, um, again, and it so. It, it's not new with us knowing that like whatever could happen could happen because <clears throat> you're in space. You you pretty much could die at any corner, you right. know, like any turn. So it's not a new concept for us. So no. you're always on the edge of your seat.
0: Yeah, and being able to present it in a sort of fresh way, too, mm-hmm. um, is interesting. You know, I had mentioned Gravity before, and speaking of the production, is that some of the people who worked on Gravity, and uh, in, in particularly – the wire work, the zero-G effect, yeah. um, worked on this movie as well, and uh, which makes sense, you know, if you're going to try to, you're making a movie in zero-G. You want the, to talk about the zero-G? Yeah, why not? I mean, because it, it was a fascinating, it led to a couple of things. It was done really well in this movie.
1: Oh, yeah, it was seamless
0: smoothly. It really was. Yeah. Very smooth. And it led to the you know homage to Alfonso Cuarón's like the opening scene is a is a one long tracking shot through mm-hmm. the space station, and I thought so it was,
1: George Clooney everywhere. Yeah, and it was
0: really cool. Um, I felt so. There's a really, really like a like an XD screen. And I felt like the camera was when the camera was upside down. I I felt it turning and mm-hmm. and then realizing oh this is all one shot. This is pretty well choreographed. Yeah, I, thought.
1: I like I realized that too. And I was just trying to like pinpoint the frame that they were the quote unquote wood cut right. And there were moments where they were like really they go close in on the clothing of like one astronaut from one place mm-hmm. to another. I was like that's where they could do a cut from like. The, the close-up of a, a, you know, the shirt or pants or something. But it was so smooth, and it was like a ballet watching everyone. Mm-hmm. But it it established the the space, the visual spatial yeah. reasoning that you had um, in the ISS. It's like, it's big, but yet it's still small at the same yeah. time. It's very claustrophobic. Sure. And you can understand where every room is, who's who. And you immediately got their personalities within the first ten seconds that they're on screen. Sure. It's like, oh, that's the cowboy. That's the smart. Um, that's the person who's the engineer. That's the doctor X, Y, and Z. And I thought it was great. And um, because I've seen you know the trailers and promos and stuff, and sure. the whole catching of the 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 samples. Yep. You know that that's a, that's a big scene. But I wasn't I was I wasn't expecting it in the first eight minutes mm-hmm. in that whole big. Sh- I thought that would be, like, a big scene that the movie would lead up to. But the fact that they knocked it out so quickly.
0: It's a good introduction to the movie. And it's it's definitely an attention grabber. Um, You know, what I found interesting. So, you had a stunt team who was headed by the stunt coordinator uh, by the name of Franklin Henson. And then they had a movement coach, uh, Alexandra Reynolds, um, to do this. And working with wires, uh, obviously wires. Uh, what I did find interesting is is that it was specifically said that of this movie, where, where as, as opposed to Gravity, yes, it was done by wires, mm-hmm. um, very much choreographed camera and whatnot. But a lot of uh, movements were they had puppeteers, so to speak, for 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 the actors or the for, for Sandra Bullock, George Clooney. Where in this one, they because the technology is advanced and it was smooth, as you noticed and said, the actors had to train sort of well not train sort of kind of they trained there mm-hmm. were no puppeteers they had to act zero g weightless on the wires do their tumbles and turns um and i thought that that was that was really fascinating so they were tra- they were training about 2 hours a day prior to the production leading into production so that to me was uh by not doing puppeteering, you know, actors had a little bit more to do, but given a little more leeway as well, it seems, with the new technology.
1: Yeah, and the cool thing is just how far we've come already since Gravity. Gravity wasn't that long ago. And no. um, I, I like the fact because it, it's we got zero gravity throughout this whole film. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, I really enjoyed because I felt like in Gravity there are moments where She's just sitting in one place. You know, it's, it's not constant move, movement. Right. But I, I feel like this movie, because there were so many people in this one place, that someone was always moving. Something right. was always moving, whether it be an object or the actual person moving. So you always got felt like you were floating throughout this whole film. Right.
0: And uh, Olga uh, decoded. Okay. Di or Naya, I'm <laughs> I, I, sorry about it. We'll just call her Olga, who played uh, Katrina. She's the commander. Um, she talked about her training on this, and she would take time, even if she was just eating food, to pretend she was in zero G. And they said that the trick was is not to just slow your movements down, because you have to you know, keep it right. regular movement. But you had to also, um, whatever you did, um, y- you had to go about your routine at, routine at a usual speed, but you happened to be floating while you're doing it. So she watched a lot of NASA video about how these people move around. So uh, I just found that uh, you know, very interesting. And I guess the hardest one was uh, the actor who played um, the doctor. He was he was the most difficult to do. He was uh, because he was a paraplegic. Just trying,
1: uh, Bakari. Yeah, to it's Hugh, Hugh Derry.
0: He, he was a paraplegic, so they needed other harnesses, additional harnessing for him, which made him a little bit more uncomfortable. So he was the most quote unquote difficult mm-hmm. to uh, have it mimic the zero G effect. Which makes sense. Which makes sense.
1: Yeah, the, he had, um, he like other people that had the wires, but he had like three different pieces um, rigged up to him, like something on his chest mm-hmm. that would um, also constrict yeah. his the, his torso movement because he couldn't move his legs, especially when they were spinning or like in a chair, mm-hmm. like supine position. That they had to put more restrictions on his body because it would make more sense if his legs weren't moving because right. he is paraplegic. Yeah. Um, but people wouldn't think that. No. I didn't. No,
0: so, no, nope. no. Again, the it was done really well. Uh, you did. Really, you you got the weightlessness mm. down, and they didn't use because a lot of uh, a lot of uh, like Apollo thirteen in order to to mimic that effect. They 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 put the cast uh, in what was called the Vomit Comet, <clears throat> which is a rocket yeah. which which simulated z- zero g atmosphere, so they would actually be floating. But we've come a long way where they, yeah, can, well, they don't have to be put on that and get sick.
1: Also, the cool thing about Apollo 13 that people might not know is that they were in an actual plane that would go up high enough right. elevation and they would actually drop, drop. the plane. And yeah. then they would film during the dropping moments where they're actually yeah, in, in zero in, G. <laughs> yeah, zero G. Yeah,
0: and there was none of that here. So,
1: like, <laughs> yeah, they had some wirings there, but we've come a long way since.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um So, and then, you know, then it also involves the prop master, Barry Gibbs, because he's involved in creating pieces of machinery that had to look weightless. Mm -hmm. Um, So, one example, an incinerator that is rigged by the astronauts to become a flamethrower. He said, we had to make a heavy piece of machinery light enough for the actors to be able to carry it like there's no weight. That they did achieve with the use of puppeteers. So... Mm. My guess is it was, the, yeah, it was on the, yeah, it was on the actual prop itself, not on, say, Ryan Reynolds in that right. scene. That's very interesting because that's something you got to think about, you know. Yeah. Well, so, we
1: didn't, but they sure did.
0: Again, I think it just goes to the, 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 the strains taken to do a good, like they didn't. They spared no expense, in a sense. They wanted to make sure that the detailing was right. And again, this goes back to what I was saying. This is where the movie was not schlocky. You didn't see any wires. Nothing looked... It it looked real. It looked real.
1: It certainly did.
0: So, um, you know, I really uh, appreciated I appreciated all that. I also liked... We talked about... you, you, You mentioned about going through the ISS, the International Space Station, and its modular... Aspect of it, oh, the actual
1: look of it, yeah, yeah. They, the design,
0: yeah. I thought it was very fascinating as well.
1: It looked pretty, and um, you know, I'm going over the notes and uh, all the research that you you thought of, and I, I thought of it. was it's really interesting to learn um, how they built it. They uh, they actually built the set. There's like no CG. That that is an actual practical set, and um, on the Shepperton Studios in in the UK, and um, they, they had a lot of uh technology upgrades per se sure. compared to the real ISS and but they built like components and modular designs that would would allow them to have like long continuous takes like the the walls can expand and Absolutely. retract like um practical sets would that you can move the cameras through um the the locations I thought it was really
0: neat. Yeah, I like the fact that they weren't using CG. Everything yeah. seemed touchable. Everything seemed tangible. real, tangible. Yeah. And I guess the only thing that they really uh, took liberty on was the 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 uh, the kitchen or the dining room, mm. which they say in the you know the real ISS wasn't isn't as big. Um, but I get I get why you do it. It's it's always great to have. <clears throat> and again. Alien used it, you know, for a key scene. But it's where everybody is able to sit down, take a breather, and talk and be themselves. It's a good character building kind of a thing. So you need a dining room table. I forgive that because this is it is science fiction, but it still looked real within the confines of the movie. I liked how it was modular. Um, I really got a sense that people, if they were flying through and grabbing onto that lever that it was real like handle or something like that so that i thought was it was a fine attention to detail that that just makes watching the movie you know it brings you in a little bit more into that setting um and i'm glad that it was built as opposed to it being cg oh
1: yeah blue screen or green screen um i liked it and I, i feel for like a crew of just six people, it makes sense to build an actual set, not constantly have things around them. Mm-hmm. Um, when you are in such a confined space, you I, I feel like it, you benefit more if you actually build something to make it feel confined. Like the, the movie Room, room. We, right. that right, right, we right, right, covered. Right. They actually sure. built a room, a room of that small space and it made you feel like yeah. you were in that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you know they did the same thing for this.
0: And then for this, you can take out paneling, put a camera somewhere. Exactly. You don't need the, the roof for scenes where you know, mm-hmm. they, they, so yeah, I, I get why they did it, um, but their attention to detail was pretty cool. And what do I know? I'm never going to get to ISS, so I don't. <laughs> but to me, it looked pretty real, um, and so so that was so that was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, and even you know the pop master Bear Gibbs, he and his team made up of like five thousand sachets of foods. <laughs> Which I found this was interesting. um you can look at the the videos where you know astronauts eat food and um, they take it out of packets and it floats and but they they said they that wouldn't be possible with the Earth's gravity because they are in ISS right. so they're closer to the gravity um but so they decided on such of food where you would like sniff the top and spoon or squeeze it out like a sure s- a
0: yeah And there was not one deal. packet of tang on that. Tang tang was the food of astronauts. (laughs) The drink of astronauts. That's the reason why I drank it. But, I I mean, the mere fact that they made so many packets of food for these to stock. um, You know, but, and again, we've all seen, well, that's the other thing that a movie of today has to contend with. Because of the things of YouTube, you can easily go onto YouTube and do a search of astronauts eating in space. And there's a ton of videos of them with the water and eating the little things. So we um, can we know what it looks like in real life. You can't you have to make sure that it matches cuz you we you can really pick it out if it looks fake today. Yeah. So well,
1: they took the time to make it look real.
0: Yeah, and they did a good job. So another 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 hurdle that they had to try to uh another hurdle that they tried to uh, th- that they overcame. The other thing too is that they, they did they did attempt to make this science real as opposed to science fiction. Right. So they you know they, they needed technical advisors and they got two Dr. Kevin Wong and Dr. Adam Rutherford who came in to talk about the extreme environments and things. Here, here's my thing about this movie being called science real. I like the concept Picking up a microorganism from Mars, you know, I I, I like that. That that could could potentially happen. But when I think of science, real, especially today, and especially with movies like The Martian, yeah, which that to me was science real. You know, now um, being that this is a confines of a a horror movie, you know, things have to be elaborate. Uh, And and fictionalized What I got was real is that The sets were real They were were practical uh, And I got that But I don't look at the story necessarily As being like It wasn't for me like the Martian was Really Well in
1: fairness the Martian was was more Fighting its environments than something Actually constantly attacking him And and
0: that's where that quote comes from what <laughs> he's on Mars, he goes, everything just wants to kill me oh yeah that's the cook exactly so, exactly so.
1: but but that's the thing that was his whole dilemma in, in that movie, like he was constantly fighting the environment, right. whereas this film you're trying to fight Kelvin, the alien, right, and um I think it it makes sense with like the why people would be upset as the quote-unquote real? Like, um, I found an article online, I forget Did the exact you? source, where um, some guy was going off like, no way would Calvin actually survive in this space because you would need X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, it's a freaking movie. But, <laughs> but, I mean, a, he brought up some points, but, uh, you know, the science that... They, I thought there was enough science in it for us to believe, like, okay, it needed oxygen. It is technically a living organism, so something has to feed it. Mm-hmm. And how it grows is, like, it fed off of another organism, technically, to, sure. to build. So, like, I believe the science is enough for it to exist in the
0: realm of right. the story. Absolutely. And take it a step further, so the character Hugh Derry, who's the... Um I, I don't know what you want to call him, like biologist. He's the scientist. He's the scientist. Well, they're too. all
1: technically scientists.
0: He's he's the guy that that that's studying the creature first. So uh, he was actually he would have trained closer to that. Of the, the, he was sort of based off this Doctor Rutherford, a British geneticist who has published influential books on the creation of life and the use of genetic modification to make new life forms. So. That, to me, is interesting. So you sort of kind of get his motivation. Um, Then comes to me what the science fiction aspect of this movie is. To me, I've said this many times, science fiction is about, say, the human condition, right? And I was trying to find it in this movie, and I guess the only thing that I could really find was... So when we first meet the alien, it was curious... But but it was it was it was uh, benevolent. Yeah. Let's say there was nothing that was mean. It only got mean when it felt it was threatened. being threatened and or attacked. Shot, Shack.
1: electrical shocking. <clears throat> yeah, anyone would be threatened by that.
0: But to our scientists, you know, it it just was a way, a means of trying to wake it up or do whatever. Um, the, 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 but you're right. It's all about perception. The scientist isn't perceiving this as being evil. It's almost like putting paddles on someone to try to revive them in a hospital. Mm -hmm. Yet the alien says, no, no, no. (laughs) What the hell are you doing? No, you're a threat. I got to take you down. You got a flamethrower? You're going down. (laughs) So um, I found that to be very interesting because basically this is why uh, this creature turns. You know, it uh-huh. turns on us So, you know, it it now looks at As humans as the malevolent factor
1: Yeah, it was, well the <coughs> electrical survival. shock Was literally the catalyst For it going off On the humans And right. um, I, I thought it was uh, Interesting because it It seemed like it was a creature that's not technically set up to be evil because when you see it, it's mm-hmm. playful. It actually sure, interacts yeah. with the humans uh-huh. um, in a nice way, but, like, the, the moment it feels threatened, it turned like, it shut down as a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. And then when it was being poked and prodded by the electrical, the electrocution, then that's when it decided to attack. Right. And, I'm like, you saw that, that slow progression of how it started being nice to something that's threatening now. Uh, Scary, and especially when it was so small at the time. <laughs> right, yeah. And that was just the beginning of it. And the fact it grew throughout the whole film, it just, it literally, be- the threat <sighs> became bigger than it was.
0: And, and that, too, I found it to be very interesting about the thought process behind this creature, is that it was basically a single-celled organism. mm mm-hmm. That grew into this multi celled organism, but they were all the same. Like our cells are different and such, but this one, their cells were basically all unified. So every cell had an eye, every cell breathed, every cell worked to move this creature, which is interesting. And yet, and this creature was growing on the consumption of uh, whether it be blood or that I couldn't quite ascertain. Um,
1: it felt like but, it it, um, it grew off of blood cuz you, you can definitely see Well, that was one of the main components because yes. you can see it tracked blood.
0: It tracked um, blood. You like very just much so, even yeah.
1: blood droplets from yards hundreds of yards away it right. could track that and that's what like sustained its life. Right. So like it, it was like you literally uh, you this creature lived off of someone else's blood supply right. just to So survive it's like a on. vampire. So, yeah. It's like you, you'll live enough of someone else's life supply just so this thing could live. Hence the title Life. <laughs> life. Life. Right. The, like the whole meaning of life. The, this organism needed other lives to live.
0: Right. So, but, but, and I do like the way that this, you know, I like the idea of it being, uh, turning into this multicell, but a uniform cell. So, anywhere, it's, you know, it's, it's front and back, inside, and could, it could see 360 degrees. Um, all of its cells worked to, to keep it mo- mo- mobile. Yeah,
1: let's talk about so, uh, Calvin's design, Calvin, yeah. shall we? Um, I mm-hmm. thought it was pretty cool. It, it, it looked like a starfish, translucent yeah. type of starfish.
0: Um, and or ray
1: and yeah yeah the, right. it, it was like a, a mix of a lot of, a lot of things but the, they actually were inspired by you know deep sea creatures right. which i thought was interesting they did um like o- there was an octopus that inspired them that had the ability to improvise and overcome obstacles just like this thing could and um it it could squeeze into like little holes and Go into un- unknown places and like conform the body, comport right. the body, so I can go to all these places you think it wouldn't, and uh, yeah, and they like that that translucent type of look that is something you can find at the bedrock. Yeah, <laughs> ocean. And,
0: and and for us human audiences, there was a sort of kind of a familiarity, sort of kind of to it because mm. of that research, I think, <clears throat> where it looked. You know, it sort of looked like something that we may have seen before in a Discovery Channel special or something, um, but it wasn't. And they also did not want a man in suit or, or they didn't want a man in suit kind of character like Alien. So, they, you know, obviously right. he was all CG, um, but I liked its translucence. Uh, you know, I like that aspect of it. And he was fast.
1: He was, and that's what made him scary too, because you didn't know where he was. He moved like a spider in a creepy way. Yeah, it's a terrible reference, but you know what
0: I mean. No, I know. (laughs) Um, But like, it it
1: moved too fast that you didn't know where it could go next, and and I think that's what made the creature even more scary: the fact that it had intelligence. Also makes it scary, just like the you know the creature and alien yeah. uh, as well. But um, the fact it can move fast and has the intelligence, and this is where that that guy in that article was going off, where um, just the scientific aspect of Calvin, sure. like, the, the the genetic makeup of it doesn't make sense to the fact that it's like all cells, but it's one brain, one muscle, and one right. eye at the same right. time. He said that didn't make sense. It was like. Yeah, but just go with it and suspend your disbelief. But yeah. if, you, if you suspend your disbelief, it makes this creature all the more scary.
0: Yeah, I agree, too. And, and there's nothing... How does that guy know what a sample from yeah. Mars I would, know. Would, would be like? I, you was, know, I don't know.
1: I think he was just a hater.
0: He was, a, he was definitely... Calvin was definitely a force to be reckoned with. Again, my only thing was it just didn't seem to have any weaknesses... Which makes it way more of a formidable foe. Like, if you can't take it down, it almost seems like that whatever you do is useless, like, against it, that you have nothing to fend yourself with. And and it was very, very strong. Like yeah. Extremely strong. All muscle, said.
1: too, as well. In fact, it, it could bend and contort in whatever, whichever way. I think the, the Evolve the evolving process of kelvin was even more scary to watch because as you saw it literally get bigger it started forming a face and i think that's what gave it the humanistic aspect that this is another creature just trying to kill you the fact that it kind of had like a facial you can delineate some personality to it and that's what made it and we
0: definitely saw that at the end
1: Oh yeah. You know,
0: we definitely we definitely saw that at the end, which I want to talk about, but if, if I wanted to talk about too um, since we were talking about the good since we were talking about the good doctor, um, you know, this guy is is an up and comer. Um, he was actually in Los Angeles um, auditioning in, in Ariane Bakari. Yeah, he Bakari, who is here. He was actually he was uh, auditioned for Hidden Figures, Fences Uh, in this movie. And, you know, he's from, from, from England, uh, from England, did a lot of BBC work. Um, he's slowly but surely building a resume in the States. Uh, I believe after this movie, he said he's going to be moving over here. And so, um... He had a yeah he was brought in and he had a, this funny story he said where he said my say his second edition was a Skype call and then finally I had to do a screen test he said it was April 1st which April Fools Day and I'm ready. To, I'm ready Coming and in on the, the zone, right? And then the night before, I put the candles down. That's how I get going for a job. He says, "Scented candles, wherever he is." So the next day, he's getting ready to go on, and a phone call says, "You got the job." And he was like, "Really? Like I, this isn't a joke, right?" You right. know, what April fooling me. And he goes, "Yeah, you got." He goes, "Yeah, you got to go for screen test." So shut up. And uh, is Daniel the director? He, and he goes, you got the job. It's not April Fool's, so, um, and he was like thrilled. He said, of all the movies uh, that he, you know, Fences and Hidden Figures, which he loved both of them, mm-hmm. but he said this was the one that he that wanted he wanted this. to work with. So, well, so That's he got, great, yeah, good for him. Good for him.
1: That wasn't that long ago, and he's coming on his anniversary being yeah. April Fools' April first tomorrow. Tomorrow,
0: <laughs> absolutely. So, um, why don't we talk? do we, I okay I, i'm itching to talk about the ending but you want you also brought up the music which you said you really liked in this movie um joe Ekstrand, who is the composer who's worked with espinoza um this is a sixth time actually working together so uh yeah, the music was pretty good in this movie.
1: Yeah, the sixth time, the, the two magical classical ideas for, you know, extra and for this film was the tonal shifts to, to provide the, a tonal score that reinforced the film's thriller aspect. And then he said the, the score is more melodic, drawing on a classical s- cinema um, and, and in his first third of the movie. And then he said he didn't want to give away what was coming. Speaking about the ending, <laughs> then it becomes atonal in in the way that it's a terrifying filler. So the whole yeah sound effect that you hear, um, he says it starts off beautiful and melodic, and then in the third, it real it becomes more ominous and dissonant. Yeah, um, and d- dissonant. And I completely believe that. And the fact this is like his biggest. Um, biggest score that he has yet to compose and stuff. And it was pre- performed by a 100-piece orchestra with the 32-voice choir. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's, um, the, well, that's whoa. big, you know. Um, yeah, that's big. And it's interesting, too, because he talks about classical music. Again, classical music and science fiction, not a stranger, you know, yeah. obviously. 2001. Um, and even in Alien, there's uh, some classical, there, there's a classical music cue in Alien as well. But in regards to life, you're right. The opening tracking shot, you know, we have this classical music, which is a, which lends this, it lends to a feeling of, like, warmth, familiarity amongst these characters. I'm getting to meet everybody. It's good yeah. background music. And music, m- music can bring people together. And classical music, anytime, any kind of music, actually, once there's a tonal shift in that music, you know, that changes that can change everything it can change from being <clears throat> lighthearted. hey we're scientists and we love to be explorers to oh shit we got to get the hell out of here <laughs> like what are we going to do mm-hmm. um and that movie also has a three-act set, structure structure you know as well and uh, i think yeah I, th- I thought it worked very very well yeah, very, very, very I, I
1: really like the music, and um, we were always talking about movies and the music and the the moments where you like always remember it. But I felt I I heard because you're not know, in space, you can't really technically can't hear sound, right? And but so the music always you know co- accompanies everything that you see visually on screen. I thought the music was beautiful, especially in the moments where it was silent, where mm-hmm. it needed no music, especially when the freezing they're literally starting to freeze to death, and it's only those last two on, on board. Sure. There was no music, but then when, like, the ideas were burning, it's like you slowly brought the music back in. But, and then also when... The the astronaut was drowning to death outside, mm-hmm. and there was literally really no words, and you just saw her drowning. You felt the the music was was rising. I, yeah. I, I heard the music all throughout the film. Yeah, and really it helped.
0: It, and again, it helped build build tension and suspense. Which oh, yeah. and but it never over. It never overtook the movie. It was never bigger than the movie. But it added. It made the movie seem bigger. But it, but the music itself never was bigger than the movie. Which to me, that's the. One of the worst things that a score can do is overpower the movie that you're watching. Right. So, why don't we talk a little bit about the end? And did you see it coming? The twist. Um, you know, at least I, 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 I liked it. You saw When yeah. did you see? Okay, so we know the end. Uh, life, Calvin. Uh, our, our two main characters, the, the two who are left, we yeah. have uh, David and Miranda. Uh, and Miranda, I like too. I like I that character. The, I don't
1: like it, before the ending. Really, like I liked these two actors. I mean, I love Jake Gyllenhaal and everything he touches. Um, I think he's fantastic. remember Rebecca Ferguson's amazing. Have you ever seen The White Queen? No one watched The White Queen, and it was fantastic. I watched every single episode when it, it aired, and like, and I was one of the only hundred people watching it. Um, and I think she's she's a great actress. Both of these together, the chemistry was great. I agree. And I was kind of expecting a romance, but I'm kind of glad that they yeah. didn't go the romantic route. Yeah,
0: no, I I I, I agree with you. I thought that. Uh Somebody should be seeing them and maybe putting them in a movie together again. I, oh, I yeah. thought that they had a very good chemistry. Not together. so much a
1: thriller, but maybe a national well, romance. Whatever. I would totally watched it. Yeah, I I loved their relationship on the screen mm-hmm. because they they were always there for each other. And there was a scene earlier in the movie they're just talking, and you can generally tell that they generally care about each other. Yeah, and I really enjoyed it, so, so I was. Rooting for these two throughout the whole film. At the end, I was like, everyone else, not to sound mean, but I was like, it's okay if you die. Like, I won't feel bad. But like, these were the two people that I think the main audience were probably rooting for to survive at the end. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, no, and and Miranda, she doesn't quite become Ripley, but she's the she's like the CDC. She's the person that, like, when it gets to the bad case scenario, Mm -hmm. she's the person that's got to figure out. Like, containment. She's got to put up the firewalls and think of every single worst possible thing that could happen uh, on board and to keep from something escaping and getting to Earth. That's her job. That I always liked in a horror movie because it's when you pit a professional, someone who's supposed to know their work, Mm -hmm. right? And they're in a situation that's even above their their, pay, their expertise, and they're supposed to be the best at it. So, that causes for good, you know, plot points, and how do we get out of this jam? And, you know, David Jordan, you're right. I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal can play the everyman in the sympathetic... Likeable, very likeable.
1: Likeable. There, there wasn't anything about both of these characters that I disliked about mm-hmm. them. They were there doing the job. They were likeable. Well, you can watch them throughout the whole film. They cared about each other and the people on the team. Um, I really liked them, and I think their chemistry was just—it was just really great pairing those two together. Agree. And I, I like—I just love Jake Gyllenhaal, and he's great.
0: Yeah, agreed. Um, and so their idea is: we have two life pods on this mm-hmm. ship. We're gonna divert. We're gonna divert the Calvin into one life pod that our good doctor is gonna be in, and he's gonna sacrifice shoot himself. himself. He's gonna sacrifice himself. Very
1: noble of him.
0: And 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 Miranda is going to the other life pod, program it to to, to go back to Earth. Oh well, of course, uh, <laughs> shit happens to say the <laughs> least. Both pods get jettisoned. So okay, I want to know when did you figure out because they. We, we we don't see the in we, we see the various insides of the pod, but uh-huh. we don't know their geography. We we're led to assume that things are still going as planned, where Miranda's gonna be landing on Earth and going through the atmosphere and Jake Gyllenhaal's flying out in space. But then when the pod lands and um It's he, actually he, the he, alien he, that it, lands it, to it's, Earth. It's Jake Gyllenhaal's, and then we see the tragic thing of of uh, the wrong pods to the wrong areas, gets buffeted off, and she's now yep. doomed. Yeah, uh, the alien is not on
1: Earth, you guys, yes. and we're all dead.
0: So, when did you, we were this? We did talk about just before we went live. When did you figure out of okay. the switcheroo? I,
1: I figured it out when. Um, when they were jettisoned, and there was the moment where they were like things were crashing into them, mm-hmm. and uh, like the the minute ran into like a piece of the ISS, and it kind of like set them set the course of the pod off just a little bit. Um, that's when I saw it. because there was a moment on screen when all this was happening, one was crashing into something, and there was a moment where you saw both of the pods, and you, you don't know which one is which. Right. I was like, "Oh crap! They switched it on us." And because you literally, you're still led to believe that they're going off into the proper direction. But when you saw that one shot, when both of them are like squiggling around on screen. Yeah, and did, they you're hit,
0: like, did they collide Yeah, too? They, thought, like, they collided they for kinda, like a
1: split second. You're right. like, oh crap, which one is which? They switched it on us. And that's when, two minutes later, I was like, yep, that's I, I saw that coming. Mm-hmm. So literally when they collided into each yeah. other, and you think that... They're still on their proper courses. No.
0: Yeah, I mean, I thought Espinosa did a good job at working out the twists because even though we went inside each of the, the relative pods mm-hmm. and we saw the characters, we still didn't know we. You're still led to believe that things are going as they planned it to go. You really don't find out like when that pod touches down. For me, it was like sort of like oh. That wouldn't that be interesting if that was actually Jake Gyllenhaal's? And then when the, when that 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 ship comes across and, uh, yeah, you're like, oh, well that sucks. And then they cut <laughs> to is, her, and now you know. Now she's just know the rest screaming of the out story. in space, completely yeah, it's helpless. Is so like, oh, helpless. girl's
1: literally going out into space right yeah. now. <clears throat> I hope she meets up with George Clooney. So <laughs> good one. <laughs> like I saw it coming. I didn't mind the twist, though, because I thought it, it made the movie, like, you remember the movie, you remember the ending, and I think that's what made people, would make people remember this film.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, I thought it was, again, I thought it was well done, um, and, and you know, Espinosa was like, he's been, he goes, was there ever going to be, like, in no iteration of this movie, there was never going to be a quote-unquote happy ending, Um, It was shot to be realistic, he said. He said, it was shot to make a science fiction movie that ties into this other great American genre, which is noir. Many of the fundamental alphabets that we have in cinema were created in the noir era. When I met the producers, I told them, I completely understand that this ending might not be a preferable choice, but for me, it was a fundamental part of the reason why I wanted to do it. So, um, and they actually were completely supportive and... uh, and, and let him and let him film the ending so I liked it too I mean to me it wasn't uh for the confines of science fiction you you know you sort of kind of get it because you know if if and when a sequel you have something to build off of I didn't find it it's for me the tragedy was you know our our good. CDC-type specialist. Oh, yeah. Who's, yeah. Like, that was,
1: who's now literally that was the, helpless. Helpless.
0: helpless. Uh, Absolutely helpless. I felt
1: bad for her. I was like, yeah, oh, was... crap, and I liked her. I Who, liked her and too. now she's off to yeah. her death. Yeah.
0: So. yeah. And, Jay, it, and this is where, too, I think for the first time, you had brought it up earlier about the face of the creature. This mm-hmm. is like when it pins Hall's Gyllenhaal, out again, showing its strength. Like, he's supposed to be Trying to maneuver as a pilot, yeah. The
1: control can't
0: do it, so um, and this is where we see the creature's face as we look at a point of view from, yeah, from our good doctor.
1: And then, like, I, I love that ending shot though that the you know, that eagle eye perspective when you see right. all these boats slowly going. I was like, yes. no, you're just giving it more bodies to feed off right. of. Ready, to go, you guys. I, you know, so.
0: here's the thing. There there are certain things, and I and I get that could be like where he landed uh, in some Asian territory. Yeah, and I get that there's a there there could be an English barrier, but I I always thought that you know they always say love is universal. I also think no is universal (laughs) too. Like what part of no? Don't open this door. (laughs) Like it's like don't touch this. Oh, okay. (laughs) <laughs> it's like the very end of uh, Time Bandits. Oh, ah, okay.
1: Right. So. Well, but, like, they were trying, like, I'll give them, they were trying to help Jake Gyllenhaal. I was like, oh, something just literally crash-landed into the ocean. Let's go check it out. Right. So, like, I get that innate curiosity that one would have if you were to witness something sure. like that. Um, but, yeah, the fact that the alien's there and he's now on Earth. when The whole movie was like, we cannot let this get to Earth and then it still ends up being on Earth, was, I think... I I don't want to say disappointing, but it was satisfactory, though. You're like, shoot, there's the irony.
0: Yeah, there's... Well, to me, the irony was, what if his only weakness was salt water? (laughs) (laughs) So, that pretty much kills the sequel. Um, But, yeah, I mean, they were going for that little Twilight Zone effect. And also, if there are prospects of a sequel... The, you know, we have a starting. We have a starting.
1: Well, point. I mean, Espinosa said that there's no sequel coming.
0: Yeah. It
1: ends like that. And it's an American pulp fiction, not like the movie, but pulp fiction, like The Twilight Zone, The Night sure. of the Living Dead. Hmm. Um, he says if you look at the American movies from the 1900s, those kinds of endings solely exist in American cinema. It's great, great American tradition of those great turns. It's almost like a joke on. On life. That's why I put that poppy song at the end with the credit song. So, like, sure. if they were to expect a sequel, they would have had, like, the orchestral instrumental music and it had a more serious ending. But the fact that he put a pop song at the end, sure. just like, yep, it's over.
0: Yeah, it's over. Mm-hmm.
1: And, but they, they also said that um, the Reese, you know, the, one of the writers, he said, it's an interesting idea that they dropped that... Um, that kelvin can possibly reproduce and like being in the ocean or the coast of indonesia or vietnam wherever it is that they landed um it'd be an interesting thing to write if kelvin could reproduce so it's not just kelvin it's multiple organisms just like kelvin that would literally take over the earth Mm -hmm. um They thought of that for a sequel, but I don't think there's a sequel coming to this. Yeah.
0: I wanted to talk, um, because you mentioned pop song music, we were talking about the orchestration. Um, It's really interesting because music came into what Daniel Espinosa found to be the the, the most challenging part of making this movie was the opening sequence, Hmm. Um, he said. And he goes to your point where you've said that there's claustrophobia um, espinoza says that made it quite damning to get the camera through these spaces and having the performers and there was a rhythm to doing it so what they did was they put music over it to get the right rhythm for the actors so the music so they so there's a rhythm going on and he had music Composed before we started shooting, because it was noir, he asked the composer to write something that had a Bernard Herman feel to it. And then I was, uh, and then I told them my favorite movie of all time, in space is two thousand and one, okay. which we mentioned Odyssey, here, of course. <clears throat> so, well, um,
1: that yeah, that's you know, so interesting, and that helps with sense. the production aspect sure. because a lot of times, for the most part, the the score is composed after the film, after right. everything has filmed and wrapped, and already for the most part, edited. Um, but when we talk about movies where the directors usually put music on...
0: A temp track.
1: Yeah, a temp track sure. or, like, would put Absolutely. actually play music live on set to get the actors in whatever emotional space they need mm-hmm. to be, but to also help with choreography of just camera movement. Yeah. I, I find that fascinating.
0: Camera too. movement and for your actors. So yeah. they have... You know, they, they're using musical cues as to their move, movement. I find that to be very fascinating as yeah, well. Yeah,
1: and it reminds me, you know, the movie Birdman. I mean, that was like one full sure. long shot, Like, and that was a, right. a dance in and of itself. It, it kind of felt like the same way a little yeah. bit, but less jarring.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. So um, let's talk a little bit about. Um, bef- we can talk a little bit about the marketing of this movie before we go into reception and such. Um, the marketing on this movie f- from Sony, I thought, was it was good. I mean, it it appealed to me because I like these kind of movies. It appealed to me because I enjoy Jake Gyllenhaal, Ryan Reynolds, mm-hmm. um, Rebecca Ferguson, who I, you know I'm very familiar with in the, in the Mission Impossible movie, which was great. It's a science fiction horror. You could tell that it looked like Alien, but because you had Gyllenhaal and Reynolds in it. You're like, okay. Who's
1: the male? Yeah, who's the male yeah, we're, we're, this film? How's this going
0: to all work out? Trailers were good. We were talking before about Ryan Reynolds, and the biggest messed up for me is releasing. And again, I forget where I saw it, whether it was online or whether it was a TV spot, is letting the cat out of the bag that Ryan Reynolds dies. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if, to me, it would have been better if that had been more of a surprise.
1: See, I didn't see that because, like, I always saw the one trailer that, like, they... And I didn't really see anything else. So the one trailer where... Um, it, it established the ISS, everyone on the crew, and then you, you got the, you know, Jake and Rebecca and Ryan and their personalities and stuff. And then you always see that that um, moment where the alien finally attacks Derry's character. Sure. And I saw that over and over. I Because, prob- you know, we go to movies every single week. We and I do. saw this trailer probably 20 times mm-hmm. before I saw this film. But, like, nothing, even... Watching this film over a trailer over and over again, that wants to spoil the fact that Ryan was going to die.
0: No, 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 not at all. And you know, it was a, it was a decent trailer. It, it, they only had one trailer, which is in yeah, this day and age that I saw it, twenty one, plus times. It, and to break it down, when I, when I'm talking about a trailer, they had one theatrical trailer. Mm-hmm. I know that they had various online materials, they had various television spots, but regarding a theatrical in today's day and age. At the very least, you're getting three. You're getting a, what they call a teaser trailer. Um, then you're getting your first trailer. And then it's usually maybe a month, month and a half prior to release. You're getting...
1: The final trailer.
0: A final trailer. This one only had the one that they that they milked. Um, their print campaign was okay, um, I felt. It was that... That portal with the hand, oh
1: yeah, you know, uh, on on
0: it, yeah, in the globe. Um, You know, their their marketing was okay, you know, and I thought for fifty. The production budget actually sort of kind of surprised me. Fifty eight mil, fifty
1: eight million.
0: Million but I can believe science. that too. Because yeah.
1: I mean, there's a there's obviously VFX with the creature, mm-hmm. um, but mm-hmm. with the whole wiring and the cinematography looked beautiful. Though I, mean, I don't disagree. Watching it was gorgeous. I
0: don't disagree.
1: Despite oh. the fact everyone was dying, it was pretty <laughs> to look at.
0: Well, let me ask you again. I, you know, I had I had mentioned uh, I had seen it at a, at a Cinemark theater, um, and I saw it in their XD. So I saw it on a on a mm. on, on the pre, a, a premium large format environment. Um, it looked great. It looked and sounded really good too. Yeah. In fact, oh my god, when uh, when the creatures running around a room, like and oh the sound, the sound, <laughs> the sound design was 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 quite big. I mean, it's a good movie to see in a theater. You know, it's it was designed. From both its cinematography, the way it's directed, to be seen in cinema. Yeah. So, in the cinematographer, um, Seamus McGarvey, who uh, you know he's he's worked on some movies. He's like 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 the Avengers, uh, Godzilla, Nocturnal Animals. Oh my which, goodness! Again, if you're going to make a norm movie, that's in, and put that into a science fiction movie. Yeah, go with the guy that did Nocturnal Animals, which is Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake
1: Gyllenhaal, and we talked about that. Yeah, well, you weren't here for that one, but we talked about that. That looked pretty as disturbing as the movie that was. It was pretty to look at.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and again, that you know, Nocturnal Animals is well, that's contemporary American noir. Right oh, yeah, there. for sure. Just, and it's a it's a it's Messed a dark up movie, film, but go watch it. But it's it. a really good movie.
1: Yeah, go watch
0: it. And, it, and as Marissa said, it is... Beautiful to look at, so and I, I think understand. Mac,
1: yeah, I think she, she did a great job because, um, there are moments when it's it visually looks great, but the moments when it needs to be dark and gritty, it definitely feels mm-hmm. that too. Like, yeah. and tonally, you got that throughout yeah. this entire film. And,
0: and Espinosa has been, you know, vocal about, yeah, I want it, He says, talks about the ending, I want it to be more you're gonna hire go with the guy that did nocturnal animals which yeah. is america's contemporary noir. um so so we're talking about 58 million production budget which for a science fiction movie is is very lean i think oh, yeah. so and i think it gives Espinosa cred too because he was able to work on that kind of a budget and really give this movie a really big screen much higher budgeted feel uh, to it, so um, you know when you're talking all total budget hard drives, advertising it's had to be pushing ninety to a hundred million um, you know that's it's just an estimate right there, but now we go into the reception,
1: Ooh.
0: which to me was very, very fascinating currently um, well, box office wise on its opening weekend, it Not did the greatest. okay. At best. It opened up, um, it opened up, uh, opening weekend, it came in number four, and it did only $12 million. Yeah,
1: like 12.6. Okay.
0: So, you know, currently, as of March 30th, its total is 16.7. Um, now, worldwide, I mean, it's foreign, it's, it's foreign. Uh, <laughs> foreign is about 15.8. 15. So we've got about 32 million worldwide. But domestically, that's sort of kinda of tough. And when you're on Rotten Tomatoes, it gets a sixty six percent, which not isn't necessarily exactly
1: not terrible. We've seen better movies that have lower scores on rotten tomatoes, and Rotten Tomatoes is like ruining um, you know how we perceive movies, I think. But I I mean it's not a terrible score. That's actually very doable.
0: It's it's not a terrible score, particularly for this type of genre, yeah. especially if you're going to blend science fiction and horror, and the key word is horror because a lot of people don't necessarily like horror that's the genre that's going to divide people because some people enjoy it some people don't and they're going to find pro- they're going to find ways in which not to like it. so when you're in that mid range, that just means to me the people that enjoy that genre. Liking the Liked movie, it. so sixty six percent. I would go and going. Okay, I get it. That's not horrible. But what really surprised the hell out of me is the cinema score. Cinema score really low. Ex- the lowest I have seen of a movie since we covered this year. C- yeah. This year with a C plus, C+. C which is dismal. There dismal you. when it comes to word of mouth. Now, I don't know the audience that I saw it with. Seemed to be really liking this movie, yelling, talking back at the screen, um, screaming when they were meant to scream. There were no unintentional laughter going on. the The audience seemed to be really into it. So when I saw C I was I was I was a little bit shocked. I mean, what did I you was, think? I, was of that I
1: don't think it deserves a C+. I th- I would say solid, strong B plus Maybe. Um, yeah yeah that's fairly low but like IMDb's on 7.9 which that's not terrible either that's fairly high yeah. in IMDb standards I think the the thing with this film it, it um, it's divided between the people who are big fans of horror and the big fans of just sci-fi it, it kind of um, you know caters to two demographics here or like two different genres so like if you're a humongous fan of sci-fi you might not like this um so yeah. I can see like a lower score on that. But if you're a humongous fan of horror, you may. So yeah. and I think it balances mm. those two genres balance each other out, hence the average score.
0: It it but that's a to me that's a below than average score, especially when you're talking about uh word of mouth. Um, you know, I you know, for me on, on the Dimitri uh movie meter scale Uh, The one being made me angry for being was wicked good. This one didn't make me angry. And I walked out going, well, that's better than some other knockoffs that I've seen for sure. And for the... Oh, it was brevity too. I liked it too. It wasn't. Yeah. It was an hour and forty plus it's minutes, just or like forty an
1: hour and forty five minutes. Right. It wasn't a long like. Aliens is a slow burn of a movie. It, yeah, and, and like, and that's a good movie, movie. Alien. I'm just talking about the first one, but like, that's a two hour plus movie. That, it that's It's a long two hours. Movie. Yeah. yeah, but the, that's a long movie, and that's a slow burn of a movie. This one, I thought the pacing was so much faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but a good it had thought. its moments to breathe, especially sure. when you know when they're freezing. To death, and they're they're about to die, uh-huh. and they're reading the book, know, "Good Night Moon." Like it had its <clears throat> moments of calm after the after the storm that mm-hmm. we saw, um, and I I enjoyed that because I I thought that brought back the humanistic elements to a sci-fi film.
0: Yeah, I wasn't bored. No. Uh, the pacing was good. You got to credit it for its brevity. Um, you know, if I was going to talk about some plot points, I mean, a couple of ones that got me is. How did I, I get the I get the doctor? Uh, not the doctor, um, or, or biologist or scientist guy. I understand that he's a paraplegic, but how did he not know that? The, and how the hell did the creature get on his leg? Like, how did Calvin get there? Like, right. and not, not knowing. So that was like nobody else noticed. Like, he didn't notice there was an extra bulge. Like. Go. And then my other one yeah, was... Yeah, right,
1: like it just like slimed <laughs> yeah, in, yeah, you know, well, like
0: a leech or something. Yeah, and, and it was big enough at that time, too. It wasn't little baby Calvin. This was a bigger Calvin. The other one was, is and I get it, they're trying to like... They're flushing out all the oxygen, all right right? And then I was thinking, well, how is this guy going from module to module? Like, there's no oxygen in there. They just flushed <laughs> it out. Like, what's going on? Maybe there was a deleted scene that said... Like, to me, it would have been better, like... Get out of that module because you're going to be out of there and he's got to like race yeah. Through as they're like flushing it out. But Yeah, and there was me- there
1: was the mom's just like, No, he's going towards him, like yeah. go away. And I was like, No, they just suck the oxygen out. And there were moments where you're like, Well, what are they doing? Yeah. But again, but, I think it, it's like when you're f- disoriented f- in f- such f- a small f- space f- and sure. everything's happening, you're not really yeah. thinking clearly anyways.
0: Yeah. I'm curious, like, do we have is there anybody watching us live? Because I'd be Probably curious not. if they would give us <laughs> if they would give life a C plus. And I'm assuming if they're Online, and they've seen it and they're watching this. Usually, if you hated a movie, like, because we're ha- celebrating, I didn't it.
1: hate this movie, and, and that's the thing. Because, like, I do, oh, I do sequel. like my general sci fi horror films uh-huh. in this one. Like, I liked, and don't hate me, but like, I, I, I like this, like, I liked Alien,
0: yeah, I well,
1: I liked Alien certain. Aspects, I think Alien is too slow of a movie for me, personally. Um, aliens
0: are much more... To me, Aliens, very suspenseful, very, very atmospheric, it and way more claustrophobic. To build up. You know, in this movie... Look, I was more concerned about you making it through this, but <laughs> after I watched it, I was like, you know, Marissa, and people like you, because there are many... You, you know, you're not... You're in a class that doesn't particularly like horror. So, And that's... under I get it. Right. Um and that's man, woman, child too. So I'm not just specifically saying oh, women don't like horror movies. I'm just saying I know that you don't. And I walked out of this going, No, this is like this is like a dangerous movie. And, and I didn't have nightmares. Yeah, it's it's
1: it's that's it's, it's, a, it's I slept peacefully with the lights off.
0: It's know? a very palpable horror movie. Um that I think you know, I think I think it's enjoyable. It's definitely not a C plus. So nah, um, we do have one, that. Tony Weru, uh, I'm sorry if I messed up your last name, Tony, but Tony, if you're online, you say you would like to see a sequel to this just to see what Calvin does to Earth. Yeah, I think uh, Calvin could wreak a lot of havoc. He
1: could decimate uh, everybody. You know,
0: on Earth. Um, so yeah, well, I we appreciate the comments. I appreciate you being here, uh, Marissa, and talking about, uh, of talking about life uh life in general and um <laughs> yeah. and uh so where can people support you? Find you yeah. uh, outside of Anatomy of a Movie.
1: You can follow me on Twitter at sarafini TV. You can download our rundown with all of our awesome notes Absolutely. in the description. Um, there's a lot of good things about you know just the the technical aspect of this film that we mm-hmm. talked about, But um, you are in our notes. Go check it out. Yeah, sarafini TV and all platforms.
0: And folks, uh, I'd be more than happy if you support me on uh, on Twitter. I'm at dmovies1701. Please uh, continue to watch. Watch this Anatomy movie. We got a ton of movies upcoming. You know yeah. things like well, there's Ghost in the Shell, which lots of talk about that movie and Scarlett Johansson. You know, and then we, and we've had
1: our other movies that we've already talked about Gravity, yeah. Martian, heck, even all the movies referenced, uh, The Space Between Us, which was you know <laughs> right. another movie about Mars and right. stuff. So like we've been covering the movies that take much. place yeah. in space. So, Go check out those too. Uh,
0: absolutely. So. Until next time, folks, thank you very much for tuning in, listening, watching us. Uh, Until next time, we'll see you at the movies. Bye!